Today's word of the day, kinesis. Definition, an undirected movement of a cell, organism, or part in response to an external stimulus. Mobility of the bones of the skull, as in some birds and reptiles. Little Johnny was sitting out on the front porch with his grandpa one time, and he says, Grandpa, I got a question for you. He says, you're 80 years old. He says, do you and grandma still have sex? He says, that's quite a question for a 15-year-old. He says, but, uh, yeah, we do, but only oral. He says, what do you mean only oral? He says, well, I say screw you, and she says screw you too. (laughs) Daily reminder, sometimes you just got to shut up, swallow your pride, that you were wrong. It's not giving up. It's called growing up. Some of you are feeling like giving up right now. Don't do it. Don't, don't, just don't do it. We need you here. The emotions are simply emotions, which means it can't last. So no matter what you're feeling, that emotion will not stay. So never make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Don't believe everything you think. You see, we naturally feel that if we think something, it's got to be true because it comes from within us. But just because you think something doesn't make it true. And it's not the end until you've given up. And just the fact that you're here should persuade you there's still hope. Don't you give up on your dream. It may take you twice as long. You may have to take courses and classes. You might not read as fast. You might not move as quick. You might not have as much. But don't you quit. It takes courage to be exceptional. It takes courage to be wise. It takes courage to be rich. It takes courage to be educated. It takes courage to be knowledgeable. Because the moment you do, but you, you don't talk like you, oh, you don't got, forgot where you came from. Look at you talking. It takes courage. And I'm just wondering, in this weak, watered-down, mediocre society that we live in today, in this reality TV world we live in today, I'm wondering if there's anybody left that's got the courage to say, after all I've been through, and all my ancestors have been through, and all my parents have been through, to fit in with normalcy, I have the courage to go after my dream. Do you have the courage? You don't even know how creative you are until you run out of options. You don't know how innovative you are until you feel like your back is up against a wall. I am excited about your future because your darkness is about to be your development. Everybody can stand up and do good when everything is all good. Everybody can smile when the sun shines. Everybody can do right when everything is going right. Everybody can do that. But everybody can't face opposition, adversity, and challenges and say, I've been waiting on you to come. I'm going to embrace you and I'm going to figure out a way to use you because you will never make me a person that people don't recognize before the adversity. That's made up in my mind before the battle even happened. Because I know anyone. I know anyone. I would rather aim for the stars and not hit them than to not aim at all. I would rather go after it and not get it than not go after it at all. I'd rather try and fail than not try at all. for it.
like you've seen people like in the midst of opposition, they're like, that's why I play the game. I've been waiting on the opposition. Where you been? This is why I signed up to do it. I was waiting on it so I could see what I'm made out of. I just need you to keep moving. I need you to make up in your mind that the only way you can lose is if you quit. I just need you to keep going. If you don't have the will to get through all the stuff that you have to get through to get to the other side, the will. You are strong enough to climb any mountain. You are strong enough to get through any test. You this is cbs news on the hour your home for original reporting i'm steve Kathan. new rules of the road from the government come 2026 new vehicles sold in this country will have to average 40 miles per gallon currently the standard is 24 after a rollback during the trump administration transportation secretary pete Buttigieg. so what we're doing today is taking the next step in that ongoing journey of pushing forward as far as technology can take us with faith in American innovators and workers. Well, some environmental groups say the action's not enough to fight global warming. Connecticut has become the third state to suspend state gas taxes. AAA's Tracy Noble says it should help drivers who've been shelling out more and more for weeks. It's certainly going to be a welcome relief uh, for drivers in Connecticut. You know, 25 cents is a big deal. In the face of inflation and a continuing pandemic, the government says employers added four 431,000 jobs last month, and the unemployment rate fell to 3.6%. Business analyst Jill Schlesinger. Leisure and hospitality continued to increase a gain of 112,000. Professional and business services added 102,000. Retail trade up by 49,000. And manufacturing added 38,000 jobs in March. Now to Ukraine. <laughs> And a funeral for a 56-year-old Ukrainian serviceman killed by a Russian shell this week. CBS's Vicki Barker tells us Moscow is accusing Ukraine of carrying out an airstrike on Russian soil, hitting an oil depot. Phone footage shows orange tongues of flame billowing from the burning fuel tanks and thick plumes of black smoke rising into the sky. The local governor says two Ukrainian helicopters attacked the facility last night, something the Ukrainians haven't confirmed. CBS's Lucy Kraft takes us to Shanghai, the city of 25 million in the midst of a strict COVID lockdown. Shanghai's modern streets have been transformed into a post-apocalyptic landscape. Residents have been barricaded into their homes, allowed out only for COVID testing. Even infants are being screened. Residents aren't allowed to walk their dogs. The only canines permitted on city streets are robots broadcasting anti-infection tips. At the Vatican today, Pope Francis apologizes for abuses suffered by indigenous people at schools in Canada, overseen by the church up through the 1970s. In union votes at two Amazon facilities, union support has the edge in Staten Island, New York, but in Bessemer, Alabama, early tallies show the union is trailing. The Dow is down eight points. This is CBS News. The following program is an anchor production, now available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And with that being said, the Ace Balloon Show starts right now. Take your soul.
Well, good morning once again. Welcome to another another edition of Mind Chatter. It's Easter Sunday, April 12, 2020. I appreciate you tuning in. I have a really, really interesting subject to talk about. And that's I didn't I didn't intend to do this on the day of resurrection, but it's it's very interesting. It's uh Contemplating the idea, if you had uh, the knowledge of when you were going to die, would you would you want to know? You know, I mean, like not in 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 general, like as in, you know, we all know that we're going to die someday. You know, we average human lifespan is, you know, 120 years or less, so we all know we're going to die. But I mean, specifically, would you want to know? the exact date and time that you were going to die. You know, what if what if the entire earth was coming to an end? You know, would humanity be better off with that knowledge or without it? So that's kind of what I want to talk about today. I'm going in a couple of different directions with it. Uh, just some just and you know, contemplation, I suppose some Probably something that not a whole lot of people give any thought to, but I did. I wrote an article about it in uh, 2015, and as I was going over the article, uh, it just it, it seemed strange how, how relevant it, it, it is today, and I'll get into that here in just a minute. But you know, the, it's not a new question. You know, if you if you would want that knowledge of your own death your own demise you know but but i mean consider all of the different ways that our you know our existence could conceivably come to an end right on a personal or or an individual level i guess uh we could be shot or murdered you know drowned in a river or the ocean um we could uh, die from any number of you know diseases or infections or Shoot, get in a car wreck or an airplane crash, you know. I mean, a whole you could fall off something and die. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could die individually, <clears throat> but on a you know, on a, like a global scale, you know, we could get hit by an asteroid or a comet. Um, you know, the, the global killers that they worry about sometimes. Um, shoot hostile alien takeover if you want to get imaginative about it you know there's uh super volcanoes that can cause some real damage um worldwide you know plague or disease that has no cure <clears throat> um biological or chemical catastrophes you know super solar flares you know gamma ray bursts you know who knows what else could be you know it could be out there that could just wipe out the whole planet hey good morning asa but the question is, I mean, would you want to be provided with that knowledge? Would you want to know, like, a, for example, that, you know, a drunk driver was going to kill you on January 17th, 2021 at 2.26 in the morning Pacific Standard Time? You know, would you want to know that? And interestingly enough, if we uh, stretch this out to a global scale, it, it, it's relevant, even though that I... Uh, actually wrote a lot of this stuff in 2015. Um, 
there there is an asteroid that's going to come close to Earth um, on April 29th. And after that, there is a comet that is approaching Earth that is set to do a close fly flyby in May next month. So, my my question is: Would it benefit humanity to tell to tell us that that there's an asteroid? You know, the asteroid that's coming is supposed to be roughly the size of uh, Mount Everest. But I mean, would it benefit humanity to tell us that that's going to hit us? I mean, it's it's very. I don't want to get all conspiracy theory about it, but the uh, concerning the comet that's coming next month, they have named it uh, CO two thousand nineteen Atlas, which many people think a oh, big deal Atlas comet. Okay, um, it maybe it's just a coincidence, but Atlas is also an acronym for a NASA program where they track global killing objects in the sky and it stands for asteroid terrestrial impact last alert system atlas and did you catch that terrestrial impact not flyby impact so the fact that they're tracking this comet and this asteroid and they actually named it atlas that's uh you know it, it kind of disturbing a, a little bit there Coincidental? Eh, we'll find out. Um, <clears throat> but I, I wonder. I mean, if that was the case, if, if one of these two objects that are that are coming is actually a global killer and is actually on a inevitable destructive path to hit us, they certainly wouldn't tell us. You know, they, they would keep that secret, right? But I wonder how we would handle that knowledge if they were to give it out. You know, the governments of the world would undoubtedly keep global events a secret for the fear that humanity will descend into uncontrollable, you know, anarchy and chaos and, and you know, society would essentially rip itself apart um, within a day, right? I mean, after all, what's the, what's the point of remaining structured and civilized, you know, or obeying the rule of law when, when it's all gone? And everybody knows it. I mean, why not just loot and party and rape and pillage? I mean, who cares, right? We're all dead. And, again, not to get all conspiracy theory about it, but it is very strange that not only this, this whole coronavirus thing going on with the, uh, the quarantines and the lockdowns and whatnot, um, as of uh, October of last year, 2019, through today, um, for whatever reason, over 1,600 now uh, corporate heads and CEOs have suddenly just stepped down from their positions. And I've, I mean, I did a little bit digging on that, and uh, nobody has any reason why that would be. Um, I mean, we're talking heads of big companies, uh, you know, Merrill Lynch and and uber and twitter and uh bill gates resigned his chair position on microsoft and i mean just on and on it's a very big and very prestigious list of all these people that are just within a very short time period are just done they're, they're retiring stepping down what have you i mean do they know something that we don't know you know conceivably but anyway 
So if that was going to happen, if we we're going to get hit by this comet or this uh, asteroid coming or whatever, you know, like I said, the, the government wouldn't tell us, you know. Society's going to destroy stuff. At least that's a belief. I mean, would it happen that way? We just, we don't know. I mean, and the reason I even question the belief is because we see the exact opposite reaction when it when it's on a, a personal um individual level if you're, you're you're contemplating your own demise right so for example if a if a doctor tells a uh, like a cancer patient that they've only got six months or a year to live you know the the, the patient never descends into anarchy or chaos right it's quite the contrary they, they spend time with family and loved ones you know perhaps uh you know, check off a, a few items off their bucket list or, you know, maybe they find religion or get their affairs in order, you know, things like that. That's what you usually see. You know, the idea of like smashing in store windows and stealing cars and TVs and, and burning courthouses and, and, you know, on and on, fucking raping kids and murdering childhood bully, you know, that's it. that stuff just never seems to surface when uh, the impending death is on the individual level. And the individual knows that death is coming. And so I wonder why, you know, why there might be a difference in, in reaction or behavior to the, to the news of certain death when it's just me dying versus the whole planet. Right? It seems to me, anyway, death is death. I mean, it comes for us all, you know, whether one at a time or if we're all perishing on the same day. You know, I realize it's... Uh, it's a little bit different scenario when a doctor says you've got, you know, about a year um, to live versus knowing that, <clears throat> you know, like my example, like the, the drunk driver will kill you on, you know, January 21st, 2021 at 2.26 a.m., right? I mean, the, the, the drunk driver one is certainly more specific, but I mean, that's the question I'm trying to ponder is, is like, how, how would you handle that information? You know, as for me, personally, I, I don't think I'd want to know. I mean, especially the specific um, personal examples, the larger scale global stuff. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm undecided, actually. I mean, on one hand, I can totally understand, you know, wanting to prepare for the end, right? To spend your remaining time with your loved ones, um, find closure in old relationships or, or, or whatever else. I mean... I don't know. I mean, on the other hand, specific knowledge of your own demise, it kind of robs us of a, a, a very precious gift, and that is our hope for the future. And and that's something I kind of gave a lot of thought into. You know, perhaps this is the reason behind the belief that humanity would descend into chaos. So if you focus all of your energy and concern on preparation for your last days then you kind of stop living even before you die, right? And I think in today's America, maybe Western culture in general, I mean, we, we tend to forget how precious and how wonderful it is to even have hope for the future. You know, not just hope, but I mean, the, the ability to have hope, the ability to ponder or, or contemplate what the future holds. We take that for granted. That, that we even have a future to contemplate, right? We forget that, you know, the musings and the plans that we make today of the future were simply not available 
until recently in human history. Like for much of human history, yeah, I, I guess even in some poor and less developed regions today, there's essentially there was no hope for one's distant future, right? Because your days, the days of your existence were spent in constant struggle to survive, right? To find food and water and basic necessities. You know, you worry about sheltering yourself from the elements and wild animals and, and, and you're at the mercy of plagues and diseases and, and, you know, it's impossible to prepare yourself for natural disasters or, you know, just in general, when your your days are spent in fear and uncertainty that war or conflict might, you know, take you and, you know, count you as a casualty. I mean, there, there was simply no room for the future. I mean, there was only today, right? So, oh, good morning, babe. <laughs> So these are the conditions that humanity um, has had to endure for most of its existence. I mean, with the rare exception maybe of some uh, elitist figures, you know, families, royal families. You know, the vast majority of humanity simply did not have the security in knowing that tomorrow would be a certainty. Certainly not in the way that we picture it today. I mean, why would anyone, or maybe more accurately, how could anyone possibly begin to plan for their future or for old age when most of humanity didn't didn't even know where their next meal was coming from right so i mean the point being is that when you're when you're when your daily existence is in constant question you know an unclear and uncertain future is not much of a priority you know the things that a country like america enjoys every day is what makes a concept like you know the future even possible Right, things like not having to worry about starving to death, like having confidence that, you know, we live in a safe and secure land that that won't be overrun by, you know, you know, murderous barbarians or something, you know, like we take it we take it for granted that we have clean water to drink every day, we uh, take it we take it for granted that we have homes for protection, you know, not fearing, you know, dying from these ridiculous plagues like the, the black plague or something. But these, these kinds of comforts, um, well, good morning, Kalena. Congratulations, by the way. Um, but these types of comforts that we take for granted and, and even more, I mean, are what makes contemplation of the future even possible because in the, the Western world, you know, we don't have to scratch out a meager subsistence living, you know, out of the sandy dirt and, and fear of a, a, a tyrannical dictator, Right, we're able to use our own mental resources to focus on, excuse me, focus on, you know, what comes next. You know, we're able to plan for our retirement because of the certainties we now take for granted. We're able to ponder not only our own future but the futures of, you know, our children, our grandchildren. We're able to imagine what their futures are going to be like simply because we have confidence that they will grow up with the necessities of life taken care of. That's not always the way that it was. I mean, in short, I mean, we no longer have to worry about getting through today. And I think this simply put is what allows us to look ahead to the future. I mean, to dare to dream, to imagine, and to have hope. That's the 
that is kind of what I mean. Hope for the future, I think, it's a, it's a extremely important concept that I don't think a whole lot of people really put a whole lot of thought into because, like I said, we take it for granted. Um, I think we, we should always remember how lucky we are to even have it and how exceedingly rare it is in the context of, of uh, world history, right? We should also not maybe lose sight of the fact that it's it's no coincidence that the majority of humanity's progress in industry, um, technology, science, education, and just about every other area has been a direct result of the concept of freedom. Now, when governments began embracing the ideas of liberty of the people, um, individual rights, property rights, you know, in other words, when they began turning away from tyranny and oppression and slavery, they started seeing immediate progress in the eradication of their daily survival struggles. And with the steady eradication of the daily concerns for, you know, meager survival, you know, came a simultaneous hope for the future and, and the possibilities of the future. So the idea of hope for the future is so vital that if it's taken away, people have a tendency to re revert kind of back into, uh, you know, savagery. Uh, um, I mean, just consider what happens when, like, when we sentence criminals to life without parole. I mean, his hope for ever seeing freedom or, or any semblance of a future has essentially been removed. And I think any correctional officer or jail guard or whatever will tell you that, I mean, without hesitation, that a lifer is probably the most dangerous person in prison. And not necessarily because of the crime they may have committed, but because his hope for the future has been stripped. And a man without hope is, is a dangerous man, indeed. So, I mean, perhaps this is why there's such a difference in behavior when confronted with the death, with death in general, on a personal, individual level versus, like, on a, a global destructive level. You know, if it's just me dying, right, there's still hope because life goes on for others, your friends, your family, your community, what have you. But when the entire Earth is in danger... You know, as in like the asteroid or the comet uh, scenario. Essentially, all hope for the future is gone, right? And some people, they say they would, they would, they would, in fact, want to know the date of their end. You know, then then they could do something about it, and they could conceivably uh, avoid it altogether. You know, like uh, you know, Final Destination movies. You know, they could uh, they could thwart Death's plan and and give the Green Reaper the bird. You know. But what if the knowledge of your own death was simply, uh, you know, like unavoidable? What if, you know, in our example of being, you know, killed by a drunk driver that I, that I was talking about earlier, I mean, what if you try to use that knowledge to your advantage um, and simply not go out on January 17, 2021? But then the drunk driver veers off the road and slams his car into the side of your house crushing you as you watch TV because you decided not to go out. So I don't know if that's how it would work or not, but but it seems to me that theory would work better on a global scale. I mean, like in the case of a, you know, an asteroid or something. So, excuse me, if we knew that it, you know, an, an impact was imminent in, you know, let's say 18 months down the road, 
we could, I mean, as a, you know, a global society, we could conceivably come up with, you know, some kind of solution, you know, to save humanity, more or less like maybe the themes of uh, movies like Armageddon, you know, with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Yeah, I mean, it makes me wonder if this knowledge, along with uh, world leaders' assurances that, that they're working tirelessly around the clock to save the planet, would actually serve to uh, maybe deter anarchy and chaos. You know, the, that's the fear that they have. That's why they would never make the announcement that, you know, we're going to be killed by an asteroid or something. But, I mean, would this type of scenario actually have the effect of, of, of uniting people under a common cause? You know, that, that would ultimately affect us all. And I think maybe the deciding factor as to whether society uh, descended into anarchy or not, and I probably not the knowledge of the impending asteroid or whatever in and of itself. I think it rather how the knowledge would be delivered by you know by the authorities or whatever i think it if it would make a difference if that information was delivered either with or without hope now if our if our leaders announce that the asteroid impact 18 months you know down the road is you know they just kind of simply just go hey you know what spend time with your families and kiss your ass goodbye there's nothing we can do you know, then I think maybe anarchy and chaos would likely ensue because there's no hope. Now, th that message and that knowledge was, just, was delivered without any hope for the future. You know, but it also makes me wonder if uh, the importance of the concept of, of hope for the future was known by uh, well, I don't know, a, select, a select few in ancient times. Like, like many religions emphasize the afterlife. The basic framework of most any religion is to follow the rules, to follow the tenets, otherwise behave yourself. And when you die, someday in the unknown future, your place in the afterlife will be solidified. Christian belief, for example, um, tells of the second coming of Jesus, you know, the rapture, the final battle of Armageddon, all those things, all signals of the end of the world as we know it. But the precise timing of the end is unknown. Right? And it makes me wonder if it is because the hope for the future balances on not knowing when it will end. And I mean, it's almost as if this, this beautiful gift of hope only exists because of the knowledge which we do not possess. Right? Knowledge of your own personal death forces you to concentrate on that date. I mean, your focus is on your own death and the preparation of that event. And really nothing further. I mean, what would really be the point of thinking beyond, you know, January 17, 2021, if that was your day to die? There, there's no reason to make any plans or contemplate anything further. So for me personally, I, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be robbed of my hope for the future. I mean, my hope is far too important to me. I want to live, right? I want to be free. And it's not that I necessarily fear death because, I mean, it's coming for me. It's coming for us all one day, whether we like it or not. But it maybe it's because of the inevitability of death that I don't need to know. I don't know. It almost seems like a, a hypocritical stance to, to take when I say that I'd be okay with the knowledge of you know, say, an asteroid impact 
but not with the knowledge of my own death. I mean, I don't quite understand it within myself why I'm okay with, you know, like the idea of trying to stop the end of the world if I'm aware that it's coming. But I'm not convinced I would try to alter my own looming death even if I knew when it was projected to be. You know, maybe it's because I believe in individualism, you know, even when it comes to death. Maybe the entire planet dying, one big collective death, somehow offends my individualistic beliefs and sensibilities. I don't, I don't know. All I know is that I have a profound appreciation to live in a time and a place that makes it possible for me and my children and my grandchildren to have hope for the future. Because it always, it, historically speaking, it hasn't always been the case. And I do not want to spoil that gift or voluntarily even throw it away by obsessing about my own demise. I, I don't necessarily want to, you know, live every day as if it were my last. I, I just want to live. And I don't know how I could live if I, if I knew when I was going to die. I mean, that's a tough one to overcome. So this whole, this whole idea behind the, you know, the, the asteroids and the comets and whatnot, I mean, those things are coming. I mean, NASA even, um, acknowledges it but they always just say they're going to be you know relatively close flybys and you'll be able to you know maybe see them in the night sky at some point but again if we truly were going to be hit they ain't going to tell us that and maybe that's a good thing i mean look how crazy people went just over the coronavirus announcement buying up all the toilet paper and just silly shit so if they were to make the announcement that April 29th, we're getting slammed by a Mount Everest-sized size asteroid, there's nothing we can do about it. If they were actually to say that, I have every confidence that society would tear itself apart in a day. I mean, that's just, it's unfortunate. And I don't know, I don't understand that rationale myself because, I mean, if you want to go breaking into a store and steal a 60-inch flat screen TV, what would be the point of that? It's not going to do you any good. I mean, if global destruction is inevitable, if it's coming, you know, I, I don't know. doesn't make any sense to me, but we humans are peculiar creatures. So that was, uh, oh, good morning, Jeff. Thanks for tuning in, bud. Um, I'm kind of at the end now, but uh, it was just an interesting concept to contemplate. And like I said, it was just a coincidence that I did it on Easter Sunday. Um but, I mean, like I said, if you ever put some thought into it, whether or not you'd want to know. I don't know. I thought about it, and I just put it out there to you guys. So, um, that's about all I got for today. It's just kind of a short one. So, I uh, hope everybody's uh, enjoying their Easter with their families and whatnot. And stay healthy. Enjoy, enjoy the sunshine if you got it. Oh, touche, Patty. I don't know if you guys can see this or not. Patty says, uh, but how many times have we all said, if I would have known, I would have said I love you, and I would hug you a little more. All right, touche. Fair point. I don't, yeah, I don't even have a good argument for that. I really don't, because that's a good point. Um, but anyway, I'm going to leave it there. And uh, thanks, you, thanks you all for listening this morning, and... Have a wonderful Easter. I will be back next week for one more. 
one more mind chatter episode of I don't even know what I'm going to do yet, but have a good day, you guys. From ABC News, I'm Brian Clark. The Labor Department's March jobs report showed 431,000 private sector jobs were added last month, while the unemployment rate fell to a 3.6% pandemic low. At the White House right now, President Biden touting the nation's recovery. That over the last three months, the economy has created more than a half million, more than 500,000 jobs a month. Over the course of my presidency, our recovery has now created 7.9 million jobs. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration announcing new fuel mileage standards beginning in 2026. Vehicles sold in the U.S. will be required to get 40 miles per gallon. In Europe, Russia and Ukraine holding another round of talks by video today, but fighting in Ukraine has continued. So do questions about why Russian troops withdrew from the shuttered nuclear plant at Chernobyl. After reports Russian troops may have left Chernobyl because of radiation poisoning, the director general of the International Atomic Energy Agency said radiation levels around the plant are normal. If there was an emergency, Rafael Mariano Grossi said the IAEA is working on a rapid response. In case there was uh, a situation, an emergency that may be taking place, uh, we are setting up a mechanism whereby uh, we could be sending uh, a team. Russian vehicles may have kicked up radioactive dirt on their way out, but Grossi said there's no evidence people were contaminated. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, New York. Will Packer, producer of the Academy Awards broadcast, speaking to ABC about the moment Will Smith struck Chris Rock, told Good Morning America he did not realize it was real until Smith began shouting expletives. My heart dropped immediately. Once I saw Will yelling at the stage with such vitriol, um, my heart dropped. He said Chris Rock saved the broadcast and added Rock did not want Smith arrested. You're listening to ABC News. Coming up for a vote today in the House in Washington, D.C., a bill to decriminalize marijuana at the federal level. The measure is expected to pass. It would then have to get through the Senate. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is promising to bring it to the floor this month. Today's bill would take pot off the controlled substances list and leave it up to states to decide how to handle it. New Mexico has already decided to allow the recreational use of marijuana. Now the first dispensaries are open. The deputy director of New Mexico's Cannabis Control Division, Victor Reyes, says the quick application and approval of dispensaries made financial sense. In order for us to really capitalize on the economic opportunity, we had to begin sales as quickly as possible. At 12.01 this morning at a shop in Las Cruces, <laughs> Jeremy Sandoval was first in line. It feels amazing. I'm, I'm really excited. It's uh, a milestone in the road. I finally made it to that, that time, that point in time. You know. He bought about $200 worth of pot products. Jim Ryan, ABC News. A western New York mobster who killed three people and tried to kill two more has escaped federal custody. 64-year-old Dominic Taddeo apparently got away earlier this week, just about a year before he was scheduled to be released. And the draw for soccer's World Cup coming up shortly today. The U.S. men's national team waiting to see who it will play in Qatar when the World Cup starts in November. This is ABC News. guys enjoyed that episode do me a favor leave me a five star rating on spotify and apple podcast or however many stars you think i deserve and until next time i will catch your asses down the road